0: Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights, brought to you by 11FS. Today we're going on a journey, a journey to an industry that's ripe for a bit of change. The industry is called asset management, which you may have heard of, and hopefully today we're going to shine a light on. I'm Simon Taylor, and I'm joined by Pete Townsend. Pete, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are you, Simon? I'm not too bad. And
1: Chris Mills.
0: Chris, how are you, sir?
2: I'm very well, thank you.
1: Uh, gents, Pete, stop me off. Uh, who are you and what do you do? Yes, I'm Pete Townsend. I'm founder and CEO of Norio Ventures, a Dublin-based advisory firm that is disrupting alongside startups, but also helping corporates prepare for disruption. So I've been in the asset management, asset servicing industry for about 20 years, 22 to be exact, now as an advisor, and I have been running this for the last year, uh, and also obviously do some work with you guys here at 11FS. Of course you do, and we're glad to have you. And Chris?
2: I'm Chris Mills, work for KPMG in our investment management team. Uh, I've been doing that for the last two and a half. Busy in the industry for nearly twenty years, not quite as long as you, Pete. Um, and I think um, I'm particularly interested in blockchain. I head up blockchain in the UK, uh, and also uh, fintech wealth. So quite a few little hats you there. Got many hats. I am. Uh-huh. I am
0: impressed by your hat collection, sir. Uh-huh. Um, not just a hat rack, I see. Uh, all right, Pete. Start us off. What is asset management? That is a big question, Simon. I know. I like the big questions on this show. You do. But it's all about insights Something inside Insider Insights.
1: And big questions deserve big answers. Okay? So I... Ooh, I, ooh, I ooh. Drum roll. Yes. Here we go. So asset management is technically, and Chris, jump in to, to, to rip this apart when you feel comfortable doing so, um, is where you entrust another individual... Or an entity, a corporation, a business, a professional advisor with your money, with your cash, with your assets to manage on your behalf. And when you say manage it can be that you want them to buy more of what you own, you want them to sell, uh, you want to hold what you already have. But it's not you making the decisions, you're entrusting that to somebody
0: else. Somebody else gets to make decisions on what to do with my money. So, who am I? Am I the client of an asset manager? What do I look like? Am I a wealthy individual? Am I a company? Like, who are the clients of asset managers?
1: You could be anybody. So, ooh, there's a thought. I could be you anybody. You could be anybody. Tonight, Matthew. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, the biggest component of the asset management client base would be institutional investors. Okay. So, those What's would an be. an institutional investor? Those would be pension funds they would be insurance companies, they would be charities, endowments, anyone investing huge amounts of wealth, okay, for the long term. The rest of the market is made up of two components of individuals, whether that be wealth management level, which would be wealthy individuals, as you're making, and as you said, um, or it would be retail investors, so the person on the street that's investing 100 to 500 to 1,000 dollar euro sterling investments at a time. And so, make that real for me a little bit, Chris. Um, do, do you
0: have a different definition? Do you agree with that definition? And and what does it mean for me that this industry is like? How do I feel this in my day to day life?
2: I'm not going to disagree with Pete just yet. Uh,
0: we'll we'll go back.
2: we'll go with um, there are three definitions that, that asset managers most often use. It'll be wholesale, re- retail, and institutional. So Pete's mentioned institutional, which would be a large pool of assets from a number of individuals. Retail may, may be... As you see, it's sort of a direct-to-consumer. You'll see the adverts on the tube. You'll see people saying, phone in to invest in an ISA, elements like that. And then the so-called wholesale or platform might be through people like Hargreaves Lansdowne or even Nutmeg. So you're accessing a website. You're getting some form of information around particular funds and investing directly through that platform. Yeah, that's what I said.
1: Uh, (laughs) You were sizing up for that one.
0: So if I'm using Hargreaves, Lansdowne, Barclays, Stockbrokers, uh, Fidelity in the USA, whatever that platform might be, I'm then buying a fund. Um, So I might buy or I could buy equities or stocks. I buy all of these different assets. Is that the the definition you're using of the asset? And then these are the people that manage them.
2: I I think what's interesting is that the asset management industry and some people might refer to it the investment management some people might look at the wealth all these are almost synonymous terms is approaching investments for any of those clients through the mechanism of funds most of the time if you go to high net worth individuals you might actually be offering them investments in vineyards or classic cars or you know Pink Floyd record collections, whatever it might be. But actually, the, for the vast majority of people, the industry is focused around funds. Exactly. And, and, as you and, and a fund is? A, fu- a fund is a, defi- a, a regulated, and I'm picking on a dangerous word, but a regulated scheme whereby there will be a set of rules around what you can invest, the type of investments you can have in that fund, so, broadly and speaking.
1: It's a collective investment pool, right? So... As Chris is saying, regulated most of the time, or a, a fair fair amount of the time, but it's where individuals all come together in a pool anonymously; they don't know each other, um, and that it's it's an investment product that is set up incorporated either as a company or as a limited partnership, um, and that investors will receive their returns through their share of the collective assets of the fund.
2: So, so you so you asked. Um, Simon, about you know what does this mean to the man on the street? So I think that, that quite often you will be investing, whether you know it or not, through a company scheme, a company pension scheme. You might be investing directly through an ISA, and we've all seen those adverts at the end of March, which is you know in, just in front of the tax time, and you effectively will then be joining one of those collective schemes. You know, the three of us might be in the same pool, at, in, the, in the same fund. We wouldn't know so and we go through an intermediary in order to access that those assets and hopefully they grow so usually somebody like a, 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 if i'm a retail investor
0: usually somebody like a nutmeg or a hargreaves lansdowne or even my pension fund on my behalf yes. has bought a load of funds yes. on my behalf and is managing that on my behalf and then behind that the asset manager is producing those funds and feeding and watering them is that yes. Fair to yes
2: and so and so one way that the asset managers think about that that process is almost a set of what you're describing is a distribution channel. And then, of course, within an asset manager, you have the concept of manufacturing. So, so if you divide those two things out, distribution is how do we attract customers? Where do they come from? And, and of all the types we've mentioned, and the, and the manufacturing side is what funds or what products or what assets are we trying to attract them to buy?
0: I like it. I think that's a really nice way of thinking about it. So give me an example of a fund. Um, so because I maybe I'm grossly oversimplifying here, but I think of it as a glorified set of uh, like a pool of cash, a bank account might be a way to really oversimplify it. And in which I take the money that you, the investors, have given me, I put it into this bank account. And if it's an index fund, say, for the FTSE 100, I'm then going to buy shares in companies in the UK, in the FTSE 100, and it will be a select number of shares and i have a strategy around which of those companies are in my index fund and everybody's buying into that and if that f- if that fund grows if those companies grow those shares do well that fund then pays back some of the profits to the investor in some way
2: was was that a question or was that the answer as well
1: yeah yeah you're spot on right? you're like spot on. asking like because i have it. a no. very layman's understanding of yep. funds yeah no fun and then? but what you've mentioned there is day one to three Right. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Now and see. Well, now I, I now, like now your this is going. Yeah. So at the what's at day the, four? At the yeah. Inception. Is day seven rest?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, at the inception of a fund, the first day, right? Yeah. Say that's a hundred million that goes mm. into that bank account, Simon. Exactly. You you got that nailed. The portfolio manager, investment manager decides how to spend that based upon the investment objective that they laid out to the investor in their mm-hmm. legal documents that govern how the fund is run. That says, we're going to invest in the FTSE 100. So on that first day, they invest all 100 million in the 100 different components of the FTSE, all at the market cap weighted so however much each component of the FTSE 100 is worth, that's how much.
0: Vodafone's one of the biggest companies in there, and uh, Royal Dutch Shell, and Mm. BP are some of the biggest companies, but you'll have some at the bottom that are smaller,
1: so the big ones I put more money into, and the small ones I put less money into.
2: You'll have some with 8% and some with half a percent.
1: Exactly. And then what happens on day three is that all those trades that you executed in the market to buy all those stocks, They settle. So that means you need to, that cash needs to be paid out for those. So that cash then comes out of this bank account that is generally held with one of the big global custodians. um, And that on day four, the next set of trades that were executed on day two, those start to settle. Mm-hmm. So every day, the asset manager is getting information in from their investors on the amount of additional money that they want to invest in the fund. And it's not going to be $100 million every day unless you're a big one like BlackRock or Fidelity or Vanguard, which would be even more than $100 million a day. It's a $75 trillion market. And then the wheel keeps turning. And then at some point where you decide, listen, I need my money back because I'm going to pay for my kid's college tuition. I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to buy a new house. I'm going to go away on holiday. That's where you send in a redemption request and you get a portion of your money back or all of your money back. Now, the thing is, depending upon how the markets did, how that asset manager made decisions along the way, you may be up or you may be down. And you're taking the risk of whatever happens in the market, mm-hmm. but also taking the risk of how savvy that investment manager is with making decisions. When you're investing just in the, the FTSE 100, that would be called a passive fund. You're not making any decisions at the asset management level on what to invest in. If you're investing with an active manager, they would say, great, Vodafone's doing really well. I'm going to buy more of that. Um, and these other components, the index aren't doing as well, so I'm going to sell that. I'm not even going to hold it. Right, yes. so that's a difference between active and passive. Simplified. Passive is this, uh, there's a formula,
0: and we're going to stick with that formula and then adjust it on an occasional basis. Whereas active is we're, we're adjusting it a lot more often. Yeah,
2: it doesn't have to. It, it's interesting that the, the, you don't have to do that. Active is often it's 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 a more flexible mandate. Is um, actually it's ma- ma- Well, Pete almost referred to it earlier on. It's it's a mandate is nothing more than a set of criteria that you apply to your investments. So I might decide as we keep talking about the FTSE 100, I'm effectively saying only invest in those 100 securities that are listed on the FTSE 100 exchange. You can then also say, I don't want to invest in guns or drugs or anything you know anything of those or even countries or you tobacco know, or you or could in, in if you have full flexibility of an active mandate you can almost specify these are the five securities i want you to invest in and, you know, and that, that's the, that's the, the level it mandates,
0: can go to i remember pete you and i had been in a meeting a couple of weeks ago where you said that we're actually seeing the inverse where people are actually looking to invest purely in ethical funds this day is, is that a theme that we are seeing in the market
1: Yep, that would be what we would call purposeful capitalism, right? Where investors decide that they want As to... As opposed to random capitalism. Yes, exactly. They okay. they want to put their money to something that's meaningful to them, yeah. right? And that we're finding that more and more coming out of uh, the last five to ten years of new investors entering the market, coming out of university with some disposable income and find, thinking about, I might
2: actually do something with this cash that mm. I'm spending uh, all over the place so 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 broad, if 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 we think about funds or mandates that are out in the market you will go to blackrock or fidelity or schroders or anybody and at some level they may well, they may well have a fund that says let's invest in japanese equities ethical businesses or almost any flavour or factor that you can think of that that's the whole range of investments out in the market and, and the trick is, of course, for the individual or for the pension fund or whoever you may have delegated your, your investment decisions to, where should I invest? And some of that's about your own, your own feeling about risk or your time period or, or frankly, your, your own personal proclivities to certain types of, of, of asset.
1: The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white – When you need the full perspective,
2: turn to ft.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription.
0: Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. For more details, visit marketplace.terminos. So, talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges in the industry, because you you mentioned it was a seventy five trillion dollar industry. That's not a that's small a, number.
2: It's a lot of zeros. that's, yeah.
0: that's a lot. That's a big yeah. number to get your head around. So, it's done pretty well. I assume it's it's doing all right.
1: It, it has I mean if you look back to 2007 during the or at the beginning of the global financial crisis, there was quite a dip from 2007 to 2009 in terms of the overall assets in, in the market. Those have come back um, and at 75 trillion now projected to grow to something like 82 85 trillion uh, by the year 2020, that's pretty good growth where they expect to, the growth to come from um, is overweighted towards passives because those are what we would call low-cost investment products. Generally, the average basis points or average fee that an asset manager would charge you uh, for managing your money for you um, is generally around 0.8 of 1%. Okay? Um, the higher end goes up to 2%. The lower end comes down to less than one-tenth of 1%. There is what we call margin compression going on in the industry right now. Um, There's been a global awakening of investors that are deciding that they do have a problem if they are not getting value for money. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there is a component of the industry that you would call closet trackers okay um and what they do is a professional term yes the professional term what they what they actually do is they say that they're going to be an active manager and they're going to make decisions about what to do with again for example the FTSE 100 components and overweight or underweight but they actually don't really do much of anything they just sit on the money and charge 1.5 percent for it or say 1 for it okay so there's been an investor awakening that has also been fueled by uh FCA market study that was done here in the UK that pointed out some questions around value for money in the investor level. Also, the Department of Labor in the US with their new fiduciary rule are looking at it from the same perspective. So investment managers are under pressure to reduce their fees, right? which is putting pressure on their margins, uh, which means that what they take home at the end of the day is going to be less than what they did in the past. So what does that mean then? If they're If they're under this cost pressure. They're going to have to reduce
0: their prices, so therefore there's less money coming in the door in theory. They're going to be less profitable. What what does that mean,
2: Chris? I'll give you some other numbers that might give you a different perspective, though. So Pete mentioned the passive managers charging active fees. The FCA, the regulatory body in the UK identified, I think the number was 109 billion assets that are actually charging significantly more than the FCA deems they should for the products they have. So, so that, the regulators
0: woken up to the fact that this industry is pretty comfortable. It's done pretty well for itself in the past decade, but change and, may be coming.
2: And, and thinking about their margin compression, the average operating margin, again, as measured by the FCA over the last five, six, seven, eight years, is probably fluctuating between 38 and 40 percent. Wow. That's not a lot of variation. So, so, well, it's not the variation. It's, it's, it's the scale. I think that you'll find that pharmaceutical firms that, uh, that earned that amount of operating profit will be incredibly incredibly oh, retail, happy. Retail it's
0: yeah. um, so the the supermarket sector digits, is two, probably Yeah, yeah, it's 2-3%. So,
2: so I think you know you, you can feel sorry for them in the increased regulation and increased demands. But I think that that if you measure also their performance in terms of the end investor, you know, what does it mean to the man on the street that we talked about? So the delightful Mrs. Miggins and her portfolio. The, you know, looking at her pension um, earnings, you'll see time and time again headlines about underfunded pensions. And underfunded pensions is because you know the people who are running the pensions are effectively then asking asset managers to invest on their behalf and increase that pool of assets. And the underfunding means that at some stage in that process, they're not doing enough. Now, you could argue that the asset managers is not all of the asset managers' fault, but those some of it's got to be
0: demographics. There aren't as many the, people entirely, paying into
2: pension funds. Entirely. But the fact is that I remember a long time ago when I'm looking at my pensions projections and you're looking at a low, medium and large you know, projection of 12%, 15 and 18%. You're not allowed to do that anymore and it's probably 369%. Mm. So, so you just look at some of the numbers to the end investor. Forget the asset management business at the moment. And, and what are they there for to make that pot of money bigger? It's not as successful as it has been. And but It's not they've necessarily been
0: wildly profitable even though for the end user, for the person they're supposed to serve, yes. it, it hasn't been. So what's gotta change? I mean, is this, this what's gonna what have asset managers gotta do if these are the pressures coming at them? Um, they're seeing regulators come into the space. They're mm-hmm. probably gonna start to see margin compression more and more, as you say, Pete. And Chris, as you say, the the end customer isn't really being served here. This can't continue, surely.
1: It can't, and that's where you need to cut costs and reduce. Um, So the similarity between asset managers and banks is on their technology stack, Mm -hmm. okay? And where you have legacy infrastructure from the 90s, from the 80s, um, that can and will be replaced at some stage. And there are big topics in the asset management industry, as there are in a lot of different industries as well, uh, around blockchain and what that will do for the industry. that is probably an entirely different podcast to talk about asset management. Like and, maybe and, and blockchain, blockchain Insider. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> right. So, with the technology evolution happening, the asset management industry as a whole will be able to reduce costs, but not to a huge extent. Okay, um, There will be still a considerable drag from the part of the industry that also helps the asset management industry on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. um, called the asset servicing community, the asset servicing industry. So think of asset management as the front office and think of asset servicing as the middle and back office. They're also on age-old technology, however, they're earning one-tenth of the fees mm-hmm. from the fund that the asset management earns. So their margins are getting squeezed even more, their, their costs are, are, are being challenged.
0: Is it fair to say that this is an industry that has a lot of paper in it still, that has a lot of manual processes, that's still dealing with technology that's 20, 30 years old in some cases and- Are you leading the witness? Is 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 it fair to say it? <laughs> yes, yes. You're or, or, it or is correct. that unfair? Yeah. Like, where, are, are where we, we talking about an industry that has you know modern technology? People are building new core stacks. They're they're really rethinking it and reimagining it. I mean, is that fair to say? I
2: was, I was going to say that that they think about what asset managers actually do. They're not they're not manufacturing anything. So, in the extent you know, to the extent that. I could go on to Amazon and I could order a relatively bespoke pair of trainers or something. It might even, in fact, be delivered by drone in 48 hours. Asset managers are effectively going to be moving data around, admittedly from a a wide variety of sources, but it is data nonetheless. For a business that could become purely digital, define that as you will, there's clearly too much paper there are there are requirements to forever send out prospectuses or or key information documents to to you know clients at whatever level Um, and we've all tried to invest and then got heap load of documentation on a random basis um, through the post and so I'd say the vast majority of industry is still built upon you know your home address your your standard documentation that needs to be sent out and you're right it doesn't need to be it depends upon your client. Right.
1: I mean, it's passports, it's utility bills, it's copies, it's scanning. Yeah. There is still this incredible thing in the asset management industry. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called a fax machine. <laughs> okay. uh, and they're still used to a wide extent. If you think about the digital banks being able to open an account in six minutes or less um, using your mobile, using some scanning of pictures, you just don't have that in the asset management community yet. Just because the, uh, there is a, always a fallback on regulation saying that, well, the regulators won't let us do that yet because they still demand It's paper. too hard because it's hard. Exactly. That sounds familiar. Exactly. Uh, and that the technology is there. It's just that implementing new technology uh, in the industry is, is a little bit quicker than doing it in a bank, but still you have but, but that. But why framework. do you have to when you've got 40%
2: margins? That is exactly. part of the underlying problem. If it's not broken, it, it, don't, don't fix it. In, exactly, it's, and also that you know the rising tide. There's no reason to necessarily to, to innovate in that sense. I, I would say, however, that there's a if there's one area that's that's increasingly becoming obvious to asset managers is that is the sort of customer experience. So exactly, they're going through a similar process as the banks are doing to evolve. It's it's a question of what would a digital asset manager look like? How do we how do we get closer to our clients
0: but don't we risk doing the same we saw in banking where we end up with like just really nice front ends to a really costly back-end system because i saw that um blackrock invested in scalable capital um mm-hmm. which is you, know, you mentioned nutmeg you mentioned Hargreaves lansdown uh, scalable is another one of these platforms that are that uri could go use to help manage to buy an isa or to have a pension fund in so if blackrock are investing that the world's biggest asset manager i believe um, if they're doing that then it certainly seems like they see the front end piece being important but is that the be all and end all is, is that going to help them reduce costs
2: i i think that that's the play much more on the distribution side mm-hmm. as we said before yeah. you know pete's referring to the cost the cost efficiency is something that you need to do in the manufacturing you need to start looking downstream that's really where people are looking at cutting out the costs i think on the distribution side there will be a streamlining of how do we get the funds in mm-hmm. and there will be an efficiency play there but actually, why have the so called robo advisors, Nutmeg, Scalable Capital, why have they been so successful? Is actually because they've been better at attracting customers. That's, that's the number one thing. Yeah. They've got better GUIs, better engagement from clients, they're starting to improve that customer experience. And they're good at marketing. Good at marketing but they have the same they're leaning on exactly the same infrastructure you've talked about around the type of funds you offer about the type of infrastructure that's behind it and quite often very very similar cost structures. Okay so talk to me this is all windstick
0: you know it's kind of uh, this is what asset managers do and then it's going to get harder so what are the opportunities here is is it just all going to suck
2: no the, the the carrot is enormous the carrot is growing all the time that the, the That's a sentence
0: that I want to sit by itself. The (laughs) carrot is growing all the time.
2: (laughs) Overextending the metaphor, I do apologize. However, however, it's a very large Bugs Bunny. However, I think um, the the growth in wealth, in assets, is increasing globally. We talk about it being a X trillion dollar business. We'll times that by another 50% in another 10 years. We all know about you know the the growth in 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 demographics in people in the middle classes particularly in the wealth that's increasing both in asia and in africa for example to, to clear clear growth areas and tell me that you know if we go back to right at the beginning what does an asset manager do take a pot of money and aim to make it bigger i think that's an attractive proposition to almost anybody in the world so therefore- Especially if
0: you're entering the middle class for the first time. But if you're entering the middle class for the first time or you're in an economy that's starting to grow, yeah. your needs might be different to the Western. Entirely,
2: part. entirely. And, and this is where you know, the asset management industry has grown up exactly on the sort of Anglo-Saxon model as it, as it stands or, or the Western hemisphere. And I think that you will have, it, it's developed a set of products, product push effectively for asset managers. And there's a real need to go towards customer experience, towards solutions. And I think those solutions will change significantly based on different geographies, on different on on different timeframes, etc. So. Yeah,
1: I, I I think as well. If you look at the the three core challenges of any asset manager, it's to raise assets, right? Mm-hmm. Distribution, gather assets, yeah. bring that into the funds, to perform, create long-term returns, create value for investors, but also to keep costs down and make sure you're not just spending money wildly uh, and that you. Do deliver true value for money for investors.
0: So, how do you? I hear a lot about this digital transformation stuff. Um, it's been around for about five years. This this idea that you can digitally transform from the uh, from the caterpillar that you are into this beautiful digital butterfly. Is is that the way forward here, Pete? Or
1: I don't. The- well, it depends on the stage that you're at. Right? If you are an asset manager that really has no digital presence whatsoever, um, at the front end um, or within your own internal workings, you're generally going to be looking at a greenfield situation, Okay, where you would want to start from scratch, but in a segregated standalone unit to be able to start building what we would call a truly digital asset manager, where from front to back, the gathering of the assets all the way through to delivering information to investors on what they own and how much it's worth that that is all completely free of the 1970s infrastructure that is in place
0: uh, there's a thought experiment i love what would happen if google built an asset manager what would happen if apple built an asset manager? like how would a technology company build it and we've seen it with with alibaba right?
2: with alibaba they have well, well, yeah. go, go back to you know my my definition of of distribution and of manufacturing there are Fifteen activities in a typical asset manager and they may divide, you know, seven and eight in, in that basis. There's no reason why you can't you, you, you can't have asset manager that, that will start to significantly outsource those. What would be part what will almost be an app in a in a particular digital platform that you will have asset managers that just focus on manufacturing of a very bespoke set of assets and have got a very defined distribution network or platform. And I think that at the moment there are many, many asset managers who are trying to do all 15 jobs. They may not need to. So this so, is like
0: the old um, Ford Motor Company that used to be uh, highly integrated. They had they owned the rubber plants that produced the yeah. rubber for the tires. They owned yeah. the steel factories that produced the steel. We had car companies that owned their entire supply chain. Whereas now they they configure a car much more. They don't own the rubber plants anymore. They have great relationships with it in the supply chain, but they uh, but they have many suppliers. We're starting to see that in financial services is yeah. the breakup of the value chain into specialists who are, who are really great at what it is they do.
1: Yeah, it's realizing the. That- five things you do well and outsourcing the other nine, right? And I worked with a global asset manager a number of years ago uh, that was on an acquisition spree. Um, And each time they bought an asset manager, and they bought 10 to 12 different asset managers and were integrating that asset manager's infrastructure, technology, business into their own, it took them about nine to 12 months to convince that asset manager that their infrastructure was actually utility or it was just commonplace. And it wasn't some secret special DNA, Right? So this happened again and again and again. And once they gave that manager back that they acquired a nice little piece of technology to get into the overall monster system that this global asset manager had built, um, they saw that, yeah, you know what, actually, we didn't need that whole cost component of our business hanging behind us it wasn't necessary.
0: It's really interesting a lesson from history that uh, every organization thinks that their technology is their secret source but actually um, there's a friend of mine Richard Brown who's the CTO over at R3 uh, used to talk about um, the fact that every bank thinks their system's special and every bank thinks it's a little bit different in their competitive advantage but when you break it all down they all basically do kind of the same thing. So actually sharing and commoditizing those capabilities makes a lot of sense and of course he was making an argument for blockchain and DLT and shared ledgers but the point rings true. Even when you're consolidating a lot of companies that do the same thing, having a platform that does eighty, ninety percent of what you need to do and doesn't do those few edge cases is probably better if it operates at scale than not than, than managing those few edge cases on your own platform that so, cost you more.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so think about it. You know, the regulatory demands we talked about earlier. The regulator is going to be asking all asset managers in the UK for the same set of reports, the same set of analysis to to, to cover a MiFID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera why not have a utility function that collects all of their data to demonstrate that capability and allow the regulator to have direct access to that and see it up front? Absolutely. And and at the front end in the manufacturing side, you've got the passive businesses is often a bit is a question of scale, because you're dealing with a lot of transactions at the right time. And that's why people like BlackRock and Vanguard are particularly successful in that. But if you're looking at active investment which is often called stock picking around you know particular securities a particular companies that are going to do well you could have specialists in wines in cars in powdered milk powdered milk in in in, you know whatever they don't have to be large organizations at all So talk to me
0: about who are going to be the suppliers of this new technology in the future. Are we seeing a role for fintech in this asset manager space? Because we we saw this with banking over the last few years where fintechs went from competing with banks to becoming the suppliers to them and now a bit of both.
1: Is that going to play out here? I mean, Pete, what are you seeing? Yeah, the, the, the fintech space in asset management is interesting because those that are providing technology to the asset management community today will say that they are the world's oldest fintech. Right. But they're not fintech. They're enterprise software. Right. (laughs) And the asset management play on fintech would be similar to the banks. The asset managers are regulated. Um, They are some are slow to change or in the majority are slow to change and that they also have those restraints on them that says, well, we can't bring on new technology quickly. Um, I went through a a case study um, two years ago with about 15 asset managers in the market on the big question, would you feel comfortable with a completely outsourced technology stack? And resoundingly, the answer was no, because they wanted to be able to walk across the hallway to their IT department to strangle the neck of somebody that wasn't delivering the data that they needed, okay? Um, They want to have that control in-house. So where the innovations will come from is through the collaboration, okay? And through um, asset managers realizing that they need help, Um, If you take a look at some of the interesting signals out there in the market, Eagle Alpha um, are one of the providers of alternative data sets in the market, which may be anything from uh, collated, curated Twitter feeds with uh, market sentiment indicated to satellite imagery. Um, That's coming from companies that are renting space on satellite and looking at car parks in the U.S. to determine the footfall in retail outlets, right? These are the types of things that will come that will allow managers to move up the curve with regards to reducing their overall spend on human-guided research. Aren't they all going
2: to be taken over by robots anyway?
1: Absolutely. Here come the robots. Agreed. I, for one, welcome our
0: new robot overlords.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think that's where, where it's going to come from. And it may it may be fintech. It may be from other related verticals that have a financial slant on them. Um, but the mainly the fintech play has been on savings rather than investment. Anyone can build a robo-advisor. All you're doing is packaging yes. up a 17-question risk profile to determine what allocation someone should have across Mm -hmm. equity and fixed income and different levels of of risk with each one of those investments. Um, That is only 1% of the investing process is what a robo-advisor does. The fully complete digital asset manager is a new technology stack. I think that needs to be done on a collaborative basis on a partnership between asset managers and fintech.
0: A truly digital asset manager, what a great thought there, Pete, and I think that's a good note to end on. Um, I just want to ask before we go, um, if people want to reach out and find out more about who you are and what it is you do what's the best way to do it
2: uh email chris.mills at kpmg.co.uk Fantastic. and
1: uh pete yep uh my website is www.norioventures.com and it's pete at norioventures.com for my email
0: Fantastic. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the show and thank you for listening. As ever, if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. If they want to learn what asset management is, how could you do better than Pete and Chris right here? And of course, at 11FS, we advise a number of people on the future of financial services and how to be truly digital. That's all for now. Until next time, this has been Fintech Insider Insights. Thank you.